Deadpool self-awareness Loving parents Harmless fun The backlash to the backlash To the thing that's just begun Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Every Marvel Movie Ever. I'm your host, Gabe Thomas. With me, as always, is your co-host, Francisco Alcala. I'll just preface this out of the gate right away and say we are recording this via Zoom, uh, via satellite link tonight. So if it sounds weird, that's that's why. Just putting it out there. We're, we're busy people. Leave us alone. <laughs> we're busy little boys. But we're also back on schedule, finally. We talked to James about Spider-Verse, which was very fun. I uh, got a lot of great responses to that. That was I love doing that. We were going to try and put that out uh, chronological order, but we decided that it was a good enough episode that we just put it out out of order. And now we're back. I'll just I'll do the thing I usually do at the end at the start because we're talking about Deadpool 2 today. Next week on our DC show, we'll be talking about The Dark Knight, which is going to be a pretty huge undertaking. And then uh, two weeks, we'll be back here talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp. So... When does Eternals come out? Isn't that in two weeks? Oh, fuck. Okay, then we'll probably be talking about the Eternals instead. See, I'm glad you caught me. Yeah, okay, fine. We'll be talking about the Eternals probably. Oh yeah, we've just done two collab episodes back to back. The one we just did with Paul just came out. So listen to that. And then we'll just skip over Spider-Verse to talk about Captain Marvel and Endgame. Then we're out of here. We have like five movies left. (laughs) We're we're coming up on the end. We're almost done. We've almost reached the Endgame. Okay, but Deadpool 2. I hadn't seen this in probably two years. I think I probably, I saw it in the movie theater. I saw it the day it came out and then I watched it probably two or three times since, but I hadn't seen this in a long time. Franny, when was the last time you watched Deadpool 2, if ever? I have only seen this movie one other time. It was probably around when the movie was coming out on DVD. Yeah, I think that's the only other time I've seen it. At least all the way through, I've seen like little chunks of it occasionally. Yeah, okay. So I feel like the main question you really have to ask about Deadpool 2, and I guess the question you have to ask about any sequel, but since this one's more isolated from the franchise, I think it's more relevant. But do you like Deadpool 2 more than the original? I don't think so. I don't think this one is as funny as the first one to me. I think there there are still plenty of jokes that do land, at least for me, in this one. But I just feel like generally the like vibe I get from the first one and just the general comedy is kind of hits more often in the first one. I think that this movie is still, I, I still really enjoy this movie and I do think it is often funny, but I also prefer the first one, which is a difference in opinion. I'm sure if you go back to our first Deadpool episode, I'd be telling you that I like Deadpool too more, but in retrospect, I do think the original is just a smarter movie in a lot of ways this is a bigger movie but i don't know if that's always a good thing yeah i feel like this is a a little bit of a bigger movie but kind of in exchange it sometimes goes for some of the like easier jokes like they go for thanos jokes because josh brolin's in this movie they go for dc jokes because oh he's so edgy those feel a little bit lazier than a lot of the comedy is in the first one I I would agree. And I think all of the things I like about the first movie, I still like in this movie. But I think I think it's also just that, you know, that first Deadpool movie was such a change in the way superhero movies were being presented. And it felt really new and fresh and and genuinely edgy. I know that sucks to say, but like it actually did feel like it was 
of dangerous kind of movie. And this feels a lot safer than the first Deadpool, I think. Like, there's no insane sex montage in this. It doesn't really go as far as the first one did. And if you're a sequel, you kind of have to push those things farther. Or else it feels like it's... Uh, I don't really know what the term for it would be, but I, I just think this feels a little more sanitized than the first one in a lot of ways. Yeah, a little bit. And then even to the point where they could make an entirely PG-13 version of this movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Weird, like, Christmas cut or whatever. Yeah, they pr- made Princess it. Bride parody. Yeah, Once Upon a Time. What Was it Once Upon a Deadpool? Is that what I've so. never seen it. I've never seen it. Neither have I. I don't know. I think if there's like a compilation of the differences on YouTube, I would rather watch that than actually sit and watch the movie. Even though I would be kind of curious to see how much they cut out. You know, I don't want to start this review off with negativity because I do like this movie. I like most of this movie. And there are some absolute standout scenes in this and performances and and some great jokes. But I do think generally... While it does capture the same energy as the first one, I just think I'm less impressed by it at this point. Also, we had so much Deadpool stuff in between the first movie and this movie. You have the thing in front of Logan. You have lots of like internet videos where Ryan Reynolds is portraying the character. Like we were pretty Deadpooled out in between these films, I think. Yeah, I feel like that can kind of be felt in this movie. Like, you can almost kind of feel that by this point, people had kind of gotten their fill of Deadpool, at least for the time. Like, we needed a break, and then they still put this movie out anyway. So it was kind of like they had to play it safer, or else people would probably find it too annoying, if that makes sense. Yeah, maybe, but I still feel like if you don't like the humor in Deadpool, this might be more Deadpool than the first one, in terms of those kind of jokes, this movie probably has more references and it probably has more easy references where people will just say, oh, okay, Brown Panther, or, you know, sun's getting real low. Like it's, there's more of that in this, I think. I think all the pop culture references were a lot more clever in the first movie. The, okay, I'll say this. The worst thing about Deadpool 2 is the amount of callbacks to little moments from the first movie. Like, there are so many lines in this film that are, like, throwbacks to to things that happened in the first film, which feels kind of like, like, that's a pretty big ego for this movie to have. Like, yeah, everyone saw Deadpool, and pretty much everyone liked it, but the amount of specific, like, throwbacks there are in this is insane. Early on, he goes to Blind Al's apartment, and he finds the cure for blindness and all the cocaine and the floorboards, and it's like, that's a that's a one-off joke he made in the first movie. And now we're seeing that visually. You know, Vanessa and him are talking about Star Wars and he says something happened in Star Wars and then she's like, that's Empire. Like a lot of just similar little moments. I, I've never liked that about this film. This movie seems to think that the first Deadpool is like this classic film where everyone remembers every second of that movie. It's like I do because I've seen it a million times, but I don't, I feel like most people would just be like, this feels like a disjointed joke because you have to have the context of a previous joke in a previous movie. I feel like it, the first movie hadn't really been out for long enough for I feel like most people to actually remember most of the things they're referencing. How big of a gap was there between this one and the last one? Like two, three years? Two years. The first one was February of 2016. This was May of 2018. Yeah, like that's really not a very big gap. 
for people to have seen the movie enough times to actually be able to remember a lot of the things they make jokes about. So I feel like a lot of those for most people, they kind of just don't get them and they just kind of go right by or they just fall flat. Yeah, probably. Like, yeah, if you don't have the context of some of those small moments, there's a part where he talks about, oh, you know, George Michael, I, I really never will dance again. And oh, now George Michael's dead too or whatever because he died in between movies. And it's like, okay. I think most people probably do remember them playing that song in the first Deadpool. But then you make that joke like a hundred times about other smaller lines in the film. Even the skee-ball token thing, which is like a big plot point. It's like, does anybody remember that their first date was to the, to the fucking arcade to play skee-ball or whatever? Like, probably not. And I think this is something we definitely talked about where it's like, because I think we both have a similar view of reference humor, where it's like, it has to be very funny and very clever for it to work, or else we just kind of resent it, you know? And you get that, like, in Free Guy. Sorry, sorry guys, spoilers for Free Guy. A, a very modern Deadpool-esque Ryan Reynolds vehicle, where he's pulling out the Captain America shield and the lightsaber. And for me, that's way too far. It's it's very like Ready Player One syndrome where they just throw something at you and they're just like, yeah, you recognize that. You know what that is like that. Yeah. Yeah. Not very funny or like clever at all. Seeing something that you recognize from another movie never makes me go, oh, that's funny on its own. Like there are references in this that are genuinely quite funny. I think the opening shot of this movie is fucking hilarious and killed me in the theater when he takes out the logan music box shocking because like fox had just made like their most mature film like in this franchise the most possible like nuanced and subtle movie and they ended it with the death of such a beloved character and the fact that they would let deadpool make fun of that immediately i think is genuinely like that's an edgy joke for a studio to be making even in the trailers i remember uh, there was a title card that said from the studio that killed Wolverine that's hilarious but then you have Deadpool this is always the one we use where you have Deadpool in the X-Mansion and he has Cerebro and he's like oh it smells like Patrick Stewart or whatever that's not anything there's no substance to that and you compare that to in the first movie you're coming to see the professor oh McAvoy or Stewart these timelines are so confusing that's a joke but just saying Patrick Stewart is not a joke. That's why the worst joke in the first Deadpool movie is when he goes, you think Ryan Reynolds got this far on his superior acting method? Because watching Ryan Reynolds say Ryan Reynolds is too far for me. I, I That bugs me. And there's even that bit in this when the X-Men trainee scene, which I think is a great scene, but he signs the, uh, or the Wolverine cereal box and he signs it Ryan Reynolds. And it's like, okay, come on guys. Maybe we shouldn't just be talking about why jokes don't work. We should, there's a lot in this movie. Yeah. This is still a generally funny and enjoyable movie. Don't get us wrong. We do like this movie. Yeah, but Deadpool has created a culture that it's very hard to talk about without kind of fighting against those kinds of people. You know, the people who who wear the Deadpool t-shirts, you kind of, I want to separate myself from that a little bit where I don't think that Deadpool is just funny because he's, he's, edgy and you look at his dick or whatever and he says fuck like what i find funny about deadpool is that this studio has let ryan reynolds just run loose and make fun of 
every movie from every other franchise. I think that is funny, but I think him just saying stuff isn't funny. And I want to make that very clear, but I do want to praise this movie because I think the first 20 minutes of this movie is genuinely really good. And I think that this has as much of, if not more of an emotional core to it than the first one does. I mean, like he says, this is a family film, which not in the traditional sense, but by the end, it it does kind of feel like it more that it's about more of a found family and not a movie for families because, oh, God, don't take your kids to see this. <laughs> definitely uh, not. But yeah, I feel like there's definitely a bigger focus on kind of emotional moments. And I feel like a lot of them do work in this, even if there's like jokes kind of wrapped around them. That entire Vanessa subplot, I think, is really great. And you can say, oh, you know, they fridged that character. Just they killed her so he would have motivation. And I think that's true. But I also think that her not being in this movie properly I think it gives that character a lot more strength if he does have something to lose like that. And we know that she, how to say, like she was a strong character. It's not like she was just some lady that they killed. Like I genuinely really liked her in that first movie. So the fact that they kill her in this so early on and so brutally is shocking. And I do care and I do want him to get that revenge. And towards the end, I, you know, if he's going to die and be with her, I, I'm not completely dissatisfied with that. And so I think that whole stuff and all the scenes where he's like, he sees her in that heavenly version of their apartment, but he can't quite get to her yet because he has to learn to accept the people around him, all that. That's a good moral for this movie. And I feel like people forget that these Deadpool movies do have stuff like that in them that work. That first movie has that scene where he's like, his face has just gotten all messed up from all the experiments and he's at his lowest point and he's like following her around in the city, but he doesn't know how to approach her. That's an emotional scene. And this movie has even more stuff like that. All the stuff with Russell, I think is at least the stuff that's like more sentimental, I think is really good. Yeah. It, it seems like, especially with just the Deadpool character in general, the general public kind of seems to forget that there's a lot more to that character than just what the people that we were talking about earlier seem to think that the character is, that it's all just references and jokes and haha, he says chimichangas. There's a lot more to the character when you actually look into him. And in these movies, they could have very easily just gone straight jokes. That's all there is to it. It's just haha, look at how funny this is. But something that these movies do really, really well is making wade wilson just as a person really relatable and give him very like realistic relationships with other people despite the fact that he's a giant tumor that can't die and likes to cut people's heads off <laughs> exactly but that's the fun stuff and they know how to balance the fun stuff with the real stuff and if these movies didn't have that heart to them i don't think that they would stand up but i think both of these movies will go down as holding up for the most part like, I think that first Deadpool movie isn't just a skewering of the comic book movies at the time. I think that that will go down just as a good comic book movie on its own. And I think the second one will too. For its faults, I do think that this is, honestly, I would rather watch this than a lot of the mid-tier MCU stuff. I think it's more creative. Oh, yeah, definitely. And an another thing th this movie and the last one do pretty well is making sure 
not to make jokes during scenes that are supposed to be taken seriously and not ruining the moment by making some kind of joke. Yeah. Generally, they kind of stay away from that and actually let the scene have the impact it's supposed to have. Yeah, that's actually such a good point. I didn't even think about that, but you're absolutely right. I think the fact that MCU movies, because they all have, you know, good emotional moments, but a lot of them are kind of depleted by humor. That's not really the case with these movies. It's not really the case with X-Men movies generally, I think. I think Fox has always kind of let these moments breathe without trying to make them more kid-friendly or whatever. Not that this movie is kid-friendly in any way, but I, I think that it is more mature in those ways, even though it can be immature at other times. So, And also, after two and a half years of doing this podcast we finally have a film that plays nine to five Working nine to five. What a way to make living. and I isn't that... that played i immediately just thought of the like super early days of the podcast when it was in every single episode <laughs> and it took this long and i genuinely forgot that that song was in this movie I had been banking on you forgetting that song was in this movie for so long. (laughs) There's so many times when I've wanted to make that reference and I never have because I knew that it would be worth it for this day (laughs) when you finally realize that these things have intersected (laughs) at last. I think that's amazing. And a movie that knows uh, when to use licensed music. That's also a very big plus. Yeah. Like time for superhero movies. Um... There are some very specific movies that don't know when to use licensed music at the right time. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I might have a couple ideas about what you're talking about. Almost all the music choices are really fun. And the cue the music joke always works for me. That's cute. That's a good fourth wall break, like running gag Mm -hmm. that's in the first movie as well. Uh, The only one that doesn't is you get the Matt Damon cameo. I don't know if you noticed, but Matt Damon um, and Alan Tudyk have cameos in this movie. When Cable first arrives, they're at the truck. Yeah, Yeah. I, I, I knew. Okay, yeah. So in that scene, they're playing the Pina Colada song, which they play in Guardians of the Galaxy. And I was a little bit like, okay, like we like that song specifically, we've already done. And I kind of didn't feel like we needed to do it again. But and if we're talking about things from the first movie that show up back up in this in in a way, you have the very heavily inspired by James Bond movies generally, but especially Skyfall, the title sequence, like right after um you know, the death of Vanessa. I mean, that, that whole action scene is so good too, because this is directed by one of the directors of John Wick and he's a stunt man. And it's just, you you can tell that this was directed by someone with an eye for action because all the action is very clear in this. Like you can always tell exactly what's going on. Even some of the more blockbuster action scenes I think are quite well handled. The whole yeah. prison Even truck the big scene. the fights are, are pretty good. Yeah, I don't mind that Colossus Juggernaut fight. People like to pick on that. I think it looks pretty solid. I don't know what people are talking about. Mm-hmm. And then you get Vanessa's death and the way he kills that guy and kind of himself is really effective to me. I think it's a Celine Dion song that they made for the movie. Uh, you get him doing like flash dance. You get the the cheese spreader thing. It's just, it's a funny, it's a funny opening gag. I don't think it hits quite as hard as the credit sequence in the original movie though. They do the same joke. Uh, as the last one did with like directed by this and then they just kind of do that again Uh, but I feel like it wasn't as good as the last one I did kind of like the first couple lines uh, where they were just like did you really kill Vanessa I thought those were were kind of funny but then it kind of just 
kept going on and it kind of just it, it lost me a little bit i love the very opening scene of the movie so much though not i'm not just talking about the explosion i'm talking about him going around the world killing people just great deadpool action like just yeah. looks like a comic book it's so fun like i and yeah and all the music choices are fun and all the exotic locations he goes to and there's good gore and i like the mo- little monologue he has but he's like oh that babysitter you hired is, is getting high or whatever that's funny that's funny stuff what do you think about the use of some of the secondary characters from the first movie? Because I don't think any of them do anything. I don't think Dopinder or Weasel or Blind Owl do anything in this movie. No, definitely not. They kind of just show up more because they were in the first movie and they're kind of obligated to be in the movie in some fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely feel like all of them are a little bit weaker in this movie than the last one well tj miller had just been canceled for making bomb threats like right before this movie came out so they tried to I cut remember it. that they tried to cut out like a lot of his scenes that like he's not in this as much yes similarly to ready player one actually he's in that but you never you only ever hear his voice you never see his face because <laughs> nobody liked him i don't like his running joke that again that he does in this where he describes things as looking like other things it definitely feels like they were just like, just come up with something on the spot and we'll use it. It definitely didn't feel like it was, it didn't have like the same kind of tone as a lot of the other jokes have. It just kind of feels a little random, a little bit like out of place. I would absolutely agree. And it didn't really feel like that to me in the first one. The first one, I felt like that gelled more. We're in this, it's like, we're doing it because we did it before. And there's even similar jokes, like in the first movie, you have that line that I like where he's like, oh, I had a Liam Neeson nightmare about the Taken movies. You have to think after making so many of these movies, if he's just a bad father, like that's funny. But then in this, you have the doesn't do you want to build a snowman? So I'm just like, Papa, can you hear me? It's like, OK, somebody thought of that. And and they really tried to find a way to put that in the movie. And I don't think they really did that very well you know the kirsten dunst joke works for me more even where he's talking about how he wants to be how yeah. deadpool should picture him as a 10 year old kirsten dunst tasting blood for the first time that's funny that's a funny reference but but i think some recurring characters who are just as good as they were in the original are colossus uh and negasonic teenage warhead i love that Fox just gave them these X-Men to have in the movie. And with Colossus especially, they just let them do whatever they want to that character. Yeah, they definitely gave uh, this movie a lot of freedom (laughs) to just do kind of whatever with Colossus, which I think is great. I definitely think that they had to make sure that at least the X-Men were as good as the last one, just because that's their thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You can't, you can't make the X-Men look too foolish, but I think the fact that we just have Colossus in this and he looks like that, like he looks flawless and they just have him in his dying moments. Wade Wilson just makes him say fuck, which is the most simple thing ever. But I think that's funny because it's Colossus. Like it's one of the big X-Men and they just get him to do silly shit. And I really appreciate that. And I, yeah, I think the relationship between him and Wade is is so fun in these movies. Although I don't love most of the sequence in the X-Mansion. I think that's some of the weaker stuff. He's just kind of making his jokes. And it's like, okay, I understand this is a breather. And I like seeing the mansion because I think that's just a fun location. But um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about most of that. It definitely feels like there's not a whole lot happening. Like the movie feels like it slows down maybe a little 
too much, especially compared to the rest. Like, I feel like that portion of the movie is probably the slowest it gets. Yeah, probably. I don't know how much I love all of the prison stuff either. When this movie kind of turns into a jailbreak movie, that's also... That's one of the things where when I think about this movie, it's like, oh, there's all these things I like and I'd like to watch it again. And I think about the prison sequence and it's like, oh, well, do I really want to sit through that? And I like the idea of the power dampening collars and, and Black Tom and Juggernaut and all that stuff's fun. But I do just think that that's where some of the relationship between Wade and Russell feels a little too, maybe a little too sappy for me, I think, compared to how realistic it is for a lot of the rest of the movie. But I, I do like the X-Men joke, though, where all the X-Men are in there. That's funny, even though it doesn't yeah, make any do sense. Really like that one. It, it's uh, just, like, it very much feels like it's more of a, a meta joke than like a joke inside the movie. It's just like, they were on set. We got them to do this one scene in yeah. the movie. No, it's funny. <laughs> and it was surprising. I did not expect that when I first saw yeah. this. That, that was really shocking to me, seeing all of them, even though it's the 90s versions which is strange but it's even it's made even more strange though for the fact that he says patrick stewart and then they show james mcavoy that's weird yeah <laughs> i think that the x-force sequence is the best scene across both of these movies absolutely i love that entire portion of the movie i love how much time they spend like setting up all of these characters just to have all of them die like one by one like in the span of only like a couple minutes it completely convinced me that this was going to be the team for the movie i thought and you know all the trailers had all these guys in it and i was like okay so this is a an x i think they were planning on making an x-force movie and so it was like okay this is our lead in into the x-force all the auditioning scene it's very mystery men and i think it's very funny you get to have a lot of weird obscure characters but then people like shatterstar who's been more relevant in certain x-men comics and i think that's great and then when you get all of them on that plane and they kind of do it's almost a parody of the opening of iron man 2 where you have like the acdc song playing as they're jumping out of the plane but instead things go terribly wrong and in the funniest possible ways i think and all these horrible deaths and once once terry cruz dies you start to realize oh oh no like that's the joke of the scene this is going to be fucking chaotic I think the whole thing with Vanisher is fucking wonderful. Another shocking cameo. Get Brad Pitt himself, one of the most famous men on the planet, to, to be in this movie for three seconds. Another like mind-blowing joke. I, I think the entire sequence is just wonderful. And I love that in the post-credit scene, we get to revisit that for a second. I think Domino is really great. Zazie Beats is really fun in this movie. Yeah, uh... I feel like she maybe could have gotten a little more to do with how much screen time she does get in the movie. I think she's great. Yeah. And that whole scene where she's showing off her luck powers is, is a lot of fun. I think her driving the truck is fun and then dealing with all the stuff at the end. She's just, she's really great in this. I'm so glad that she also got to be Joker's imaginary girlfriend and Joker. <laughs> yeah. She's definitely a character that kind of shows off the creativity of the team that worked on this movie because the superpower of luck is very vague. And like they say in the movie, it doesn't really seem like much of a superpower. It's not very uh, cinematic, I think, is, is what he says at one point. But they definitely show many times like how it actually like applies as a superpower. And I feel like that's not exactly the easiest thing to do yeah no you're absolutely right writing that in would have been very 
difficult, uh, but they do it really well. Even just little moments, like there's that part where they're trying to figure out the code on the power dampening collar and she is just like, oh, try this. And then it is that little stuff like that. And then you have bigger moments like, you know, they fall out of the truck and she falls onto the giant inflatable panda. And so she's safe. It's really, it's really clever. I really like that. I'm glad that you brought that up because she's a really fun character. I guess the big character we haven't talked about then is Cable, Josh Brolin. This, this came out like three weeks after Infinity War. Yeah, this was like a really big year for Josh Brolin. Yeah, it, it was. I'm pretty sure he was in like two or three of the highest grossing movies in the box office at one time. Because I know the new Sicario movie came out, which he's in. And What do you think about Cable? I I think I like him enough in this movie. I don't know a whole lot about cable outside of this movie i know he's a pretty popular deadpool character but i i feel like josh brolin does a good job but i just don't know how much interest i actually have in that character see i i really do like cable and i always have but i josh brolin is totally fine with what he does but that character does not make as much of an impression on me as i think they were hoping he would Mm-hmm. like he's good but he's he's the terminator i hate to say it but he's the terminator i mean he's going back in time to kill someone as a child so they won't do something in the future it's fucking john connor they even it, call mean, him that yeah, at they, one point they make a joke about it yeah yes but i think it's a that one's a little too blatant for me i think and i think he becomes more fun later on as he starts to kind of he has to hang around with all these other idiots i think that's when he's at his best but he's kind of just quiet and doesn't say much and looks stern for most of the movie i know that's kind of the character but there's so many great deadpool cable stories where they just work together and he has to put up with this fucking idiot and i i I do enjoy a lot of that stuff i think you could have put a little bit more of that in this but as it goes as for like an introduction to cable you know totally fine yeah i feel like when he's kind of acting as the villain of the movie he he's kind of like one not one dimensional but there's just a lot to him but then once it hits the point where he actually like has to ask for help that's when i think his character actually starts to become a lot more likable i think he just works better when he's around other people and when he's being menacing not particularly interesting to me although i do really like the whole truck fight i think that's the action highlight of the movie i love you know, his shields and his big, that big gun he has with like the dial that goes up to 11. That's really cool. It's a good weapon. And there's lots of cool things about him. I like his backstory too. I like that it is just like this Terminator future, the way it should be in the comics. And what do you think about Russell or Fire Fist or Ricky Baker? I've been thinking about it since I finished the movie and I feel like I can't decide. I feel like he is a big part of like the emotional core of the movie. But at the same time, I just feel like I don't really like him. <laughs> is I like the purpose that he serves, but I don't know if I like him as a character very much. And I don't know if you're supposed to. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to like be like, oh, no, I like this kid. You know, he's been abused. I feel bad for him because he's always just kind of depicted as a shithead kid. And I don't really know if, uh, if I'm supposed to look past that. It seems like the way he's written, it's just like, I hate to describe it this way. And it's like the, 
the worst way to describe anything. Oh, jeez. Uh, it it just feels cringe. Oh. Like oh, the worst thing you can be. It's like the only way I can think to describe his character. It's just like everything he says and does just does not make me want to like him at all. <laughs> he would be a big fan of Deadpool if he lived in the real world. That probably. He is the Deadpool fan. <laughs> And that kid can be good because he's in a Taika Waititi movie called Hunt for the Wilder People. And he's like the main character in that. And he's actually really good in that. And he plays kind of a similar character with a similar attitude, but it works a lot better in that because it's he's delivering like Taika Waititi-esque dialogue. And that works better for his personality, I think. I don't know if he really works in this for me. I don't know if he works as a villain or as a sympathetic character. I don't really wish he wasn't in the movie because he needs to be, but I do just wish that maybe that performance was a little bit different. I'm trying to figure out if it's the way that he was written or the way that he was actually performed. Like, I'm trying to think if if it was a different actor, would it have made a difference to his character? Yeah, I guess I'm not, I'm not really sure. I, maybe not, honestly. Maybe that that's just not a very likable character. I wish I knew more about the intentions of what that character is supposed to be be other than like wade surrogate kid essentially but he's not like i'm not annoyed when he's on screen it's just kind of in hindsight i'm more like eh, i don't know i don't know if he's a great villain because i guess he is the villain there isn't really a villain in this film so i guess he kind yeah, of has to be like, it it's kind of cable for the first half and then i think the second half it, it becomes him but i do like the idea that it's like if they can stop him from killing that headmaster then the future will be brighter i think that's smart that's a smart little plot device mm-hmm. and like when cable realizes that that you know the future is saved he's able to do make that sacrifice which i i appreciate i like the third act of this movie quite a bit even though it is quite silly and melodramatic and doesn't make a lot of sense i actually like most of it you get another very john wick-esque fight sequence with the where deadpool spends the end of this movie taking out everybody with a brick that's pretty that's pretty great stuff. What do you think about the inclusion of Juggernaut? I I think I like most of it. Some of it feels a little like there's just something about it that I I feel is a little weird to me. I don't know exactly what it is, but for the most part, I think I I like his inclusion. I don't think they did his character wrong or anything. No, I that's all Juggernaut needs to be. He's a big idiot yeah. who is physically intimidating he rips deadpool in half which is a wonderful visual as is watching him fight colossus i do kind of wish that he had more red to his uniform though i, I wish he looked a little bit more yeah, like he his looks comic counterpart. Colorless. yeah he really does and it's strange because that's a similar suit to the one that juggernaut has in x-men 3 you know where it's like silver why use that one that's like the one people don't like. So I do it again. It's interesting. But at least he is like a huge guy. I've never been upset with the way Juggernaut's been performed. People like to pick on the CG, but I don't think it's bad at all. I think it looks fine. I don't know what there is to not especially like about it. I think he looks fine. And then that leads to the the basic instinct joke where he has the legs of a baby, which I think is pretty funny. But I still don't think that's as funny as the part where he has the hand of a baby from the first movie. Yeah, I think the the hand joke is funnier, but I I still think the legs thing is pretty funny. Yeah, it, it works for me. Walking with those like newborn baby legs 
but the upper half is just like fully grown Ryan Reynolds. It's just <laughs> funny to me. I do wish that every character wasn't constantly talking during it. It's a lot. It's a lot. Where Weasel literally goes, he's having his basic instinct moment. We know. We're familiar. Please yeah, stop the, speaking. The logic of them having like every single character in the movie just show up in that scene is a little weird. But what do you think about Black Tom? How does that work for you? <laughs> it's like whatever, I guess. Yeah, it's fine. Because that's the thing. In the comics, Black Tom was like a <laughs> in like classic X-Men comics. He owned a, a castle or an island or something. He was like some Shakespearean-esque villain who would hang out with juggernaut and like would, i think like nightcrawler knew him like, i don't know he was fucking lame so i thought that just making him some shithead in this was was a pretty good way to use that character that's the thing though i think that when we talked to james a couple weeks ago he was talking about how it's like why does the mcu just make all these background characters named characters for no reason when they're not those characters it is it's that i think i think it's that Knowing, knowing that that character is literally just the epitome of like his point like, yeah yep that's a character from the x-men no relation but they have the same name <laughs> yeah that's why i thought i'd bring it up to validate james a little bit because it is very uh yeah, yeah. I, I don't know i don't know i actually think the way death scene even though it you know doesn't happen is pretty good He's in like the X-Force Deadpool costume where it's like all gray. I thought that was a fun way to work that in because that's a fan favorite look for that character. But just the whole death scene, I thought it was a funny death scene, but it was also touching. You know, I liked it. And then you get that scene with Vanessa and they're playing that acoustic cover of Take On Me. That's great stuff for me. I love that. That's genuinely sentimental. Uh, I really like that. I think that that was a very good way to kind of end off the movie. And if this came out a, a minute later they would have done some sort of Thanos snap joke, surely. Oh, absolutely. I was shocked in the theater that they didn't do it. I was like waiting. We talked about this one all the way back when we did our episode on the Wolverine, but Yukio from that movie is also in this movie uh, as Negasonic Teenage Warhead's girlfriend. I think that that's a fun little gag too with her and Wade. That's, that's fun. That's a fun way to incorporate that character. After I finished the movie, I was like, she really didn't do much, did she? No, but she got some some hits in in the end. Yeah, like, that's fine for her. That's, like, all her character is, just saying hi and bye to Wade. That's fine. (laughs) Yeah, it's a fun little comedy thing. And this is probably the best LGBT representation in a superhero movie so far, unfortunately. Which is very sad. It's pretty minuscule, but, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, there's no sheltering here. It's just this is what it is. So that's, at least that's nice to see in this. Do you like the post credit scene? I feel like it almost feels like it's not like canonical to the actual like universe of the movie. It can't be. It feels extremely disjointed from the rest of the movie, which I think is fine. I think the jokes that they make with that scene, I do like, but that absolutely did not actually happen. It's just something they put together. That would be shocking if that actually happened as like a gag in the post-credit and then that's canonical. You can't do that. You can't give him unlimited time travel powers. Yeah, there's there's no way that, like, especially with, like, bringing back Vanessa, there's no way that, like, in Deadpool 3, that's going to have actually happened. Like, I, I seriously doubt that anything that happened in that scene is actually important. Can you put Cable in Deadpool 3 if he's Josh Brolin and it's the MCU? That's going to be very strange. <laughs> 
I think it'd be very weird, but I I would give it a pass just because Thanos is a giant purple CG alien. Mm-hmm. Having Josh Brolin like as an actual human being being Cable, I feel like it's a it's definitely a little weird, but I I can give it a pass. It's not the same as like having Chris Evans play Johnny Storm. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but for the two more referential gags do you like those jokes where he shoots weapon <laughs> project 11 or weapon 11 or whatever in x-men origins um, and then he kills the actor ryan reynolds i feel like i like the weapon 11 one the way that they edited it is definitely a little like <laughs> weird yeah i know i like but... that idea though i and again i like that fox let them do that yeah, I, I definitely like that one. I like the Ryan Reynolds one a lot less. Yes. But I do think it's kind of funny. I think it's it's kind of funny. I'm glad it's the only Green Lantern joke in the movie because there's yeah. quite a few in the first Deadpool. I'm glad that they only did one. And they kept it to like a post credit scene. So do you know about the deleted scene that was going to be in that sequence where Deadpool kills baby Hitler? In the version that I watched, that was in it. <laughs> oh, you might have watched the super duper cut then. I I I think so. I've never what? seen that. A lot. That's an extra 15 minutes in that movie. Really? I, yeah. I feel like everything that I saw in it, I recognized. I feel like there wasn't anything that I... Well, did. maybe that was always the version you've seen then. Hold on. Maybe. Because, okay, I remember when it first came out, I watched it. No, I didn't watch the I didn't watch that, but I like I watched all of the new scenes and I remember being like, oh, this is not as good. And I remember thinking that there were a lot of takes that they used that were like worse than the ones they used in the, the theatrical version. Oh, okay. I guess in the funeral he makes a joke about Captain America. He jumps into the polar bear exhibit at the zoo. Yeah. Yeah, that's not in the theatrical. <laughs> yeah, I think it's mostly new jokes. There's there's some new scenes. Like I guess there's a scene where Colossus is working out in the X-Mansion. That doesn't happen in the theatrical cut. I really do love the whole X-Men trainee scene. That's very fun. I love that image of him in the X-Men costume. It's so awesome. Yeah, just like the X-Men like shirt over his like usual costume. I do like that. Yeah. Also, I know that it's not I know that there's like no point to even say this because it's just been around for so long, but the Deadpool costume is fucking amazing. Like, the fact that we have a movie and he just looks like that is so great. He looks perfect. I feel like some of the mouth movement is a little weird. Oh. And, like, it doesn't go with what he's saying. Oh, okay, that was another thing that I wanted to mention. There's a lot of weird ADR in this movie. Did you notice that? No, not really. There's definitely some scenes where it's a little noticeable that, like, they either went back to add like a line or whatever. And there's also some like audio quality inconsistencies. So like there will be like one line that's said that sounds one way. And then the like next sentence sounds completely different. Like they use two different microphones. No, again, I, I know that they use a lot of alternate takes in the extended cut also. Because I remember that being the main thing that confused me. That that could be part of it. It might just be because I watched that version that they used like different takes. I think it's but it's, it's way, I feel like it shouldn't be that different sounding. 
I think it is genuinely accepted that that is the worse version. I yeah, maybe so. I just watched a, a worse version of it then. I mean, probably not the worst. The worst version is probably the. Why are there so many versions of Deadpool two? Because I think the the Princess Bride version is probably the worst version. <laughs> I'll read what Noah says then. This movie is a lot. I think this is better than the first and pretty fun. I enjoy the full embrace of comic book characters and over-the-top set pieces, although it does feel like a different tone than the first. I'm really sick of the call someone the name of another character they played reminds you of joke, and I'm pretty sure that happens endlessly in this movie. Think of a new joke. However, I do enjoy this movie overall, but I still have to divorce the Deadpooliness in my mind and just enjoy it in a vacuum. If I forget how much I hate Deadpool culture, then I can happily enjoy this flick. The fridging is pretty bad, though. Also, I think the X-Men Origins and Green Lantern jokes at the end are kind of dumb and lame. I think I echo a lot of what Noah says, except I do think that this is inferior to the first one. But I still like it. I really hope this didn't come off as too negative because I, I do like this movie and I like watching it and I think it's funny. Despite it being funny and being a good movie, it does have problems. Yeah, more than I than I thought. This is the first time I've ever had to watch it critically. And I definitely, uh, there's a lot more I took away as being not so great this time than I ever have before, which is too bad. But I still think it is a very good superhero movie, so. When I'm just thinking, oh, Deadpool is going to have to be in the MCU, sounds bad. But then when you go back and watch these movies and kind of remember that they do have more of a heart and more ideas to them, it's not not as big a deal. Uh, Okay, well, I think that's everything. Basically, okay, I guess things are still in flux because new movies keep coming out. At some point, we'll be talking about The Dark Knight. At some point, we'll be talking about uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Okay, well, thank you so much for listening to this. You can find us on Instagram at MarvelMoviePod. You can email us at MarvelMoviePod at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at FlipDag. Franny is not on social media because he was making too many self-referential posts. He was talking too much about fucking Frozen and Celine Dion. And so they knocked him off social media for being too annoying and for being a little bitch. Is that right? Well, it's a little aggressive, but yeah. Sorry, I take it back. They actually knocked him off for being too sexy and awesome. There we go. Thank you. That's what happened. Sorry. I always get those two reasons, reasons messed up. Okay, well, thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. They fucking played nine to five.